are listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. Today we're reading from Luke 5, from verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They came from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on the mat and tried to take him into the house to lay before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I'll tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had, what he had been lying on, and went home, praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. This is the word of the Lord. Man, how about those moms? It's like doing the announcements, wrangling kids. Uh, so we've started this series, A Living Gospel. We actually only have one more week for it after today. And it's, and it's a look at the power of the gospel, both then in the time of Jesus and now here today. And so we've been uh, looking at these gospel stories of healing, and then we also have been listening to the stories among us of that healing. And today, uh, after we've talked about uh, mental and emotional healing, after we've uh, sat with relational healing, today we're talking about physical healing. It's kind of a tough one, right? Uh, if we're honest, like in a church like ours, in a place like ours, in a country like ours, physical healing can be a tricky thing, particularly when we come to it with maybe some expectations of kind of what we, we see on TV and like this, or like this, you know, maybe we've never seen this, this example of someone getting up off a mat, walking out of a wheelchair, uh, regaining their, their full vision from being blind. And so it can be really hard to sit with this concept that we serve a God who has the power to reverse physical ailments. Oftentimes when we talk about the gospel, we solely talk in terms of internal things, right? And so those things can carry a bit of leeway. I can't really tell if that person is like less anxious. You know, I don't really know if that person has this piece that they're saying, but 
I can't argue against it, but I can tell if you were on that mat and then you started walking. So what do we do? How do we engage this? Think about physical healing. I think more than any other because it's tied to what we kind of like see, like, you know, the, we, there's this saying where I grew up, it's like, you can believe me or your lying eyes, you know? Uh, and so it's like, what, what am I seeing? What am I believing? What can happen is that we need a level of faith, a level of faith in a God who's actually able to do these things. And I want to talk about, one, just what I mean by faith, because what I don't mean is that we just like hope without hope, that we just kind of like get lost in this like, man, if I just like really, you know, bear down and buckle up and say that this is happening, then I'll see it. Or if it doesn't happen, then I didn't have enough faith. But then when we talk about faith, what we're really talking about simply is an intentional gamble on the character of a person, place, or thing. This is what we mean about faith, an intentional gamble on the character of a person, place, or thing. And I just want to break that down a little bit. We're talking about faith. That intentional gamble means that there's some risk involved. I come from the South. There's been this big phrase over the last few years, faith, faith over fear, um, which you kind of need fear to have faith, right? Like, if I didn't have fear, then I wouldn't need faith. If I didn't have any doubt, then I would be assured but faith implies that I, I may lose, that I may risk something and come up foolish. It's a gamble to believe. I, um, I am of size, as they say. Uh, <laughs> and so lawn chairs and I are not really friends. Like, I just have to kind of be careful. I'm kind of just like judging that. That looks a little wonky. I'll tell you a quick story. I wasn't going to play the tale this. I was 13, missions trip, Costa Rica. We're at the end of the trip. We're at this resort, and we're relaxing from all this, like, construction we've done. And there are these little, like, little rinky-dink lawn chairs. And I just sat down wrong. The leg was just kind of bent, all right? And I just went straight to the ground. And people started bringing lawn chairs out of, they stacked up, like, seven. And they were just like, we're so sorry. And I was like, it's really fine. And ever since then, I've had a, a, a weird relationship with lawn chairs. Uh, <laughs> That's why we're having these things on healing. Lord, just help me. Um, but there's this gamble involved with faith. Is this thing, is the character of this thing, is the substance of this thing going to live up to what I believe it be? Will this hold me? Will this support me? Will this God let me down? Or would he prove to be the good, benevolent, and altogether caring being that I hope him to be? So when we talk about physical healing, there is this aspect of real deep faith. Because I may have never seen it before. And so how can I trust that it actually is available for me? That's kind of what happens in this gospel story we're talking about today. Luke, uh, who's a physician, so it's a, I love that he's the one telling this story because he's a rational man of science. And so here he tells us the story of these people. We don't know much about the before, and so when we come into it, we come into the scene where there's a crowded house, and outside somewhere, there are, there are men who have carried their lame friend, and we don't know how far they've traveled, but they've come. But even to set out on such a journey requires this level of faith. And so they set out, and they, they pack him up, and they say, we've got to go to this house, and we've got to see this Jesus. This is your hope at getting off of this mat. 
And so I can imagine the level of faith that it takes just to go to where they think Jesus is, but then to get there and to be so packed outside that they actually can't make it in. How many of us would have been like, you know, I knew this was a bad idea. But no. They take a bigger gamble. It's one thing to show up. It's another thing altogether to be like, let's climb on a roof. Let's climb on a roof and let's hoist a person on a mat. And now let's just climb on the stranger's roof, but let's rip it open. (laughs) It's worth the risk. And so in faith, they open up this roof and they take their friend and they lower him before Jesus. Jesus notices his faith. And in response to this faith, the scripture says, he tells the man, friend, your sins are forgiven. This is a very interesting thing. I would love to know what came in their minds when they were like, we got to get to Jesus. Oh, it's too many people. Let's go on the roof. You know it's that one friend that always has the crazy ideas. (laughs) Let's go on the roof. And they're like, you know what? Okay, fine. So we get on the roof. All right, let's, let's tear open a hole. Oh, there he is. Okay, good. And you're expecting because you've seen him, like, put mud on people's eyes. You've heard him, like, say, like, be well, like, get up your mat and walk. And so you get to this moment, and then Jesus just goes, friends, you're sinner forgiven. Yeah. Okay, that's cool, but I'm paralyzed. <laughs> so what is Jesus doing here? I mean, we know that these men were the only ones thinking that because Jesus is sitting among these these Pharisees and these scribes, these religious, learned men. They were the the oligarchs of society. And so they are thinking, what what is he doing? What is happening here? How can he talk about forgiving sins? Verse 22, it says this, Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? I think this is like the crux of this passage. So much is happening in that short sentence. What is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? We see a couple things. One, we see this, that regardless of our opinions, God's purposes are always fulfilled. The man was healed. We know that later. It didn't matter that they probably were like, this isn't what I thought. It didn't matter that the people around it were like, what is he doing? The man was healed because Jesus told him he was healed, even though he didn't say the words that he thought they thought that he would. Regardless of our opinions, God's purposes are always fulfilled, and they often don't look like what we think. There's this healing that happens. But Jesus heals a man by healing his sin. So this teaches us something about the nature of the internal and the external and how we are these holistic beings. And that shouldn't be a controversial statement because when's the last time you've had heartache, right? Oh my gosh, I can still remember. Homa Azarani, my first girlfriend. She broke up with me. And I, and I had this feeling. It was, it was just, it was, she didn't punch me. She just said, I don't, this is over. And the feeling, I can feel it in my stomach. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like you're doubled over, like you're laying on the bed and life is over. And 
just take me now, Lord. And there's so much pain. There's physical pain from this emotional wound. Because we're holistic beings. These things play into each other. This is Mother's Day. There's some physical pain here in this room that has manifested some emotional and spiritual wounds because we're holistic beings. And the brokenness that we experience in this current age doesn't stay contained. It moves. It consumes. And so what we see is Jesus acknowledges this, but we see that Jesus is about healing, and so his purposes are fulfilled, but he heals the thing that really needs healing. I want to make you whole, but I know it's not just your body that needs to be put together. I'm going to heal your sin. I'm going to heal this brokenness inside, because when I do that, well, it'll flesh itself out all the way through you. Because God's achieving his purposes. Well, what are his purposes? His purposes are this. God's ultimate purposes are the revelation of his glory and the invitation to relationship. The revelation of his glory and the invitation to relationship. This is what I mean. Oftentimes, you can sit in religious settings and you can be convinced that what Jesus cares most about is you. And he does care about you but you are not at the center of God's heart. What is at the center of God's heart is God. It must be, because he is the being that demands all ultimate worship, honor, and praise, and glory, even from himself. Thankfully for us, he receives his glory by the invitation of relationship, by the coming after us, by the dying on the cross. So Jesus constantly says, I have come so that you can have glory, Father, This is why I'm going to the cross. I save them so that I can glorify you. And so God is on the purpose. He is on a mission to reveal his glory to the whole world. And he does that through the invitation of relationship. If you were here for our last series, we talked about kind of the the beginning of first things and how everything was tov mayod. It was very good. It was in right relationship. And then evil entered and there was the breaking of relationships, sin and death, and so forth. And so the Lord has always been about relationships. The Lord at his very essence is relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we are being invited into this relationship. This is the work of God. And so... He comes and he says, would you follow me? Would you enter into relationship? I am the giver and source of life. And so by healing your sins, when Jesus heals this man's sins, what he is doing, he is putting him back in right relationship with the Father. And just as sin doesn't stay in its place, God's glory doesn't stay in its place. His healing doesn't stay in its place. It starts to permeate and it starts to move. It comes in your heart. You find it in your body. It breaks out among friends. It breaks out among communities. The next thing you know, you got a revival. So these people are sitting there. Jesus calls out their confusions. What is easier? Get up and walk or your sins are forgiven. All right. Just for good measure, get up and walk. 
Verse 25, immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. Jesus heals this man in this manner that he doesn't think. He shows his glory, and then he calls this man into relationship with him, and this man stands up, and he begins praising God, and then it spills out to everyone around him. Thinking about God's glory and physical healing is that it doesn't always look like what we think. God has the power to immediately heal that physical thing you've been wrestling with. He can do it. And sometimes he does. But also sometimes he receives his glory by empowering you to endure. See, that's why the glory thing is so important. Because if his chief aim is to make you happy, it makes no sense that he lets us squander in pain. If his chief aim is to give you everything that you want how you want it, then why do we have so many people for which this day is so hard? But if his chief aim is for his glory, well, there's a lot of ways it can be received. And him knowing the full picture chooses the way that he sees best. And so sometimes that happens in the immediate relief from symptoms. Sometimes that person comes out of the coma. Other times, like a dear friend of mine who spent five years wrestling with a, a chronic migraine that totally decimated her life. and yet completely transformed her life. And now she, she gives glory to God because what happened through walking through that pain, he sustained her and showed her strength and ripped out so much brokenness within her that she is now together, altogether whole and healed. When she told me that the migraines had stopped, it had been three months. But the physical healing was subservient to the healing that had happened in her personhood. But she was giving glory to what God was doing in her life. I was like, oh yeah, by the way, I don't have migraines anymore. I was like, what? We've been praying for this forever. <laughs> Got me out here wasting breath. <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying? He's receiving his glory. And he's calling us. He's doing that by inviting us into relationship with him and putting us back together. It can be an immediate process. It can be a long process. It can be through the miraculous. It can be through the natural. We have doctors, like, you fast, you, you rewind this thing like 250 years. We had dear friends that just, their, their child had a surgery where they like, the doctors take the muscles of the eye and just like reattach it to like realign. I'm like, how do you even know there's muscles on the eyes? Let alone have tweezers small enough to like. <laughs> what a miraculous thing that God has done through, the, through the, the wisdom and the insight and the science of men. The people that have been healed through that. The people that have been healed through eating right, breathing right. God has received his glory in so many ways. Don't take my word for it, though. I'm going to call up Tori Cam. Tori, come on up. Tori is along uh, him and his wife, Joyce. You can have that 
Yep, you got it. The members of this church for a while now, and uh, Tori has uh, this story of healing that, well, I'll just let you listen to it. <laughs> Hi, church. Um, yeah, so my wife and I uh, have been attending this church for over three years. Um, we have a two-year-old who just turned two last week. It's a bundle of joy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, um, so let me just kind of illustrate um, just the point leading up to my encounters. So um, I was born in South Korea in a, in a humble town. Uh, my family's pretty humble too. And um, due to my father's work um, at an early age, we moved to Shanghai, China. So when I was about nine or 10, moved there and I pretty much grew up in Shanghai. And um, Shanghai in the 90s and early 2000s, it's, it was a wild place. Talking about you know farmland turning into cities and commercial areas, um, a lot happening with a population of 28 million people. I think New York's about eight, mm -hmm. so it's it's a crazy place. Um, and just culturally, um, you know, my household was you know, Korean, but when I went to school, I was under an American education. I went to an international school, speaking you know in English. And then outside of it all will be Chinese, so I had a lot of cultural conflict, but I strived in that because um, you know it made me strong. And just to kind of give you an idea of what kind of dynamics I grew up with um, in school, my friends were all sons and daughters of multinational corporations and ambassadors, very entitled. And you know these kids, um, you know they intern at Goldman Sachs in high school. <laughs> so it's this kind of environment, and, and for me, um, I thought I wouldn't fit in, but I strived in that environment. I did really well in school. I was the student government president. I played in varsity sports. Um, really, really, you know, popular kid, and, um, and I think what kind of made me shape the way how I was back then was that I thought I had everything I wanted and I needed and I was kind of I was on this trajectory for success I was dating a really pretty girl for two years everything was you know rosy um, then came um, senior year college admissions and everyone thought oh Tori's gonna do great things blah 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 um, I ended up getting waitlisted by six or seven schools that I thought I would get into and I would only get into a safety school that I don't even know where it is. Mm -hmm. um, so but as these things were happening, of course, from a very driven you know, group of people, all of a sudden, all my friends who I thought were my friends started to leave me. And they would label me as losers. And it's incredible, but that's exactly what happened. A lot of, you know, socially, I now all of a sudden, from a very popular kid, became a loner. Um, at, at, at the time, well, was the girlfriend that I was dating for years ended up cheating on me, but what was worse was that the guy who she ended up with got into the school that I didn't get into. So, I love that that's worse. <laughs> so, so I think, you know, that coupled with, this is like a Korean thing, but Korean communities are very tight-knit, so, you know, like, moms talk a lot. <laughs> And um, there's this, all this expectation of, oh, Tori is going to be X, Y, Z, not happening. And there's a shame, there is guilt, 
So all these things were piling up. So that was kind of context socially of what was happening. Spiritually, um, my mom was a Christian. My dad, I'm not quite sure if he was a practicing Christian, but I was not a Christian growing up. Um, I was a very headstrong person. And, you know, due to the competitiveness of where I grew up, I always thought Christianity was a human construct, that it was made to serve the human needs, the societal needs. I didn't believe that there was a God. And when my mom would take me to a church or a service, I thought it was all performance. And I thought pastors are just saying things that I would love poking holes in, that, in their sermons. Um, and just coming out of it thinking that, oh, I am so justified being an atheist, not believing in God. And I was very, very headstrong about that. So that was kind of my spiritual background. So right after um, high school graduation, um, I was going through a very, very tough time. Um, just getting stripped away from everything that I valued dearly as something that I thought was my world just kind of crumbled on me. And I started to develop this severe anxiety, um, which led to really bad depression, um, which unfortunately manifested into a physical ailment. So for about two or three weeks, I could not eat anything. And if I did, I would throw everything up. So when I would go to a doctor, the best thing that you know, the doctor would tell me is that, oh, you have a very severe case of acute gastritis. Take this medicine. Did not work. Um, I remember one week I was trying to eat this really bland rice porridge. I couldn't even hold it down. And that week I lost about 15 pounds in the span of one week. So as I was going through all that, I hear my mom saying, hey, I'm going to go on this retreat. I'm like, okay. So then I was like, oh, then I'm going to just go stay with my friend. Um, same afternoon, I get a call from my mom saying, hey, Tori, the Chinese police is coming after me. Can you please go and rent a bus that fits about 50 people and come rescue me in the Shanghai International Airport? <laughs> <laughs> I told you. <laughs> I am like, I had so many questions, but <laughs> I was like, I could hear and feel the fear in my mom's voice. And I was like, you got it. So, so because I, you know, worked in student government all that, I had all this like bus contacts. So I went there. I had to like, <laughs> I had to make sure that the guy does not speak a word of English or Korean on the way to the airport because they were like asking me to do so. I was like, okay. And I go to the airport. I pick up 40 plus people with all this equipment. So it turns out that my mom was serving for an underground missions conference that was happening in China at the time. Um, and if you're not familiar, in China, if you are a foreigner interacting with a local person outside of the government jurisdiction of state-licensed church, it's illegal. So they can take you away. And God knows what happens afterwards. Um, so I scoop everyone up, and I hear that this is an underground missions conference. I'm so mad. Like, why, Mom, why would you do that? And you're also putting me at risk, but whatever. So I was sitting there, just disgruntled, very angry person. 
with this ailment that I just can't even eat anything. So I'm just like, wow, better off dying. And then all of a sudden, this one gentleman comes to me and says, hey, why do you look so disgruntled? And I kind of told him what I'm going through um, outside of my physical ailment. And I just kind of tipped him in the end, like, oh, and I have this condition too. And he was like, can I pray for you? I was like, no. <laughs> Please go away. Um, I don't believe in this stuff. And he did. Um, the next day, it was, you know, praise happening, worship. I was in the back, disgruntled, mad, what is all this? And then during the time of response, he comes up to me again and says, hey, child, can I pray for you? I was like, sure, you may pray for me. And he said, you know, I know that you do not believe in any of this, but if you can just this moment believe that God can heal you and whatever you're going through, would you do that? And I was like, I will try. Um, so he put his hand on me and he prayed over my sickness and everything else around it. And when he was praying over me, I was, you know, feeling this kind of peace and serenity that I've never felt before. But think, I didn't think much of it. And then all these other people started to surround me and laying their hands on me. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> But I just let it happen. And I was like, and after everything was done, I thought, okay, they did their thing, great. So I just thanked them and I walked away. And as I was walking away and the service was over, I feel this intense like hunger that I've never felt in my life. <laughs> and it was lunchtime. So I just like went down to the cafeteria that they had and um, and I just ate a whole bunch of food, whether it's saucy, greasy, spicy, did not matter. I was just like eating it, eating it, fully anticipating that I'm gonna be having the most violent throw obsession of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and afterwards, I didn't feel a thing. Yeah. And in fact, I felt a little rejuvenated. I was like, oh, what is happening? And then at that moment, I was like, this should not be happening. And I was so mad, but <laughs> at the same time, I was like, what? Like, just really curious of what just happened. So I run to the pastor and say, hey, this thing happened. And I don't know why it happened, but it did. And it was like, I think that was your moment that you met God. So long story short, by the end of the conference, I accepted Jesus and Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never turned back ever since. And Patrick had asked me earlier about, you know, how that whole experience of me coming to Christ, because it is kind of, you know, extraordinary, because Mission, like underground missions conference in China, like, <laughs> not at like a retreat somewhere here. Like, you know, for me, like a good picture is that when the Israelites um, were free from their captive and, you know, God saved them, rescued them, as we sang earlier, split the seas and 
rescued them and they still sinned and they still worshiped idols, everything else. I would say, you know, that's very similar to how my Christian walk has been. So just because that I have experienced something so miraculous that, you know, just, I just still cannot understand what happened other than God doing something supernatural in my life. However, this walk is not easy. And we, like in, in Matthew 26, it says, you know, your spirit, spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak. And no matter how much of an experience, a real experience that we think would, we will go through, we still will struggle. And I think... But I'm always reminded that it was through the point where I was the most imperfect that God sh like shined his perfect love in my life. And I think that's by design, that, that God put me in a place where I was so vulnerable and so imperfect that I was able to experience his love. And that love, that, that idea is what also always keeps me going in my walk not really the physical healing, mm -hmm. but that notion that it was all intentional and by design, and it is in my weakness that I can experience his strength is actually something that um, I resonate with the most till now. I had nothing to add to that. You, you, answered, you answered my question. And uh, thank you so much. The band's going to come back up, and we're going to move to our invitation. Right after the man walks out of uh, the place singing and praising God, and everybody does too, uh, Jesus leaves, he, he meets this man named Levi, and he's like, hey, come follow me. And the guy's like, dope, I'm in. He's like, Tori. He's like, all right, <laughs> you know, let's go. And, uh, and he ends up taking Jesus to this party with all these tax collectors and stuff. Uh, and then there's also some of this, this Pharisee crowd that Jesus healed this man in front of. And so they ask him, you know, hey, why, why are you hanging with these, these tax collectors like we talked about last week, these really sinful people? Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You can stand. I don't know how Tori's story hits you or what you think about physical healing or any other type of healing. But I know this, the healing of Jesus, the healing of the gospel, this holistic putting together of good relationship with the Lord, it's not for people who've got it all together. So if you feel like you're making it just fine on your own, I mean, power to you. But if you can acknowledge that you need some healing, 
if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, well, I know a guy. And it's very simple. The healing of Jesus, how do we access it? How do we like, you know, do we need to have a bunch of people come put their hands on you? Maybe not, probably not. Uh, but they can. But as Paul tells us in Romans, it starts with a, it just starts with a confession. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. What Paul is saying there, we just we say out loud, Jesus is who he says he is, and he's got the power. And then we believe in our hearts. We have faith that God raised him from the dead, which is another way of saying, I believe that God can do whatever he wants to do. And that death isn't nothing for him. And so if I confess it, and if I believe it, well, then the scriptures say you will be saved. That's, that's, the, that's the alchemy. That's the practicality of it all. Sometimes it's instant. Sometimes it's got to bear itself out. But his healing is sure. It's a gamble. But his character is right. And so here's the invitation. Uh, we're going to just make space for you to come and confess, to come and be prayed for. We've got these carpets here. I say every week, there's nothing magical about them, but that's kind of untrue. <laughs> because when you just come and, and, and do with your body with what your, what your heart is doing, when, when you come and step out of that chair and it's kind of this act of faith, there is something magical that starts to happen because it's this act of faith. And so you can come and pray. There'll be people here that are willing to lay hands on you, just like was laid on for Tori, and they're willing to just pray for you, whatever's ailing. And then we're gonna sing and give praise to God, because that's what you do when you've been around some healing. And I wanna give a special invitation. Like, if you're here today and you're like, I need this. I, I, I need some healing for something. Maybe it's in your body. Maybe it's in your spirit. Whatever it is, it's all connected. I'm going to ask you to come and just like sit or stand just right here up in the front. And, and I'm just going to ask you to do that uh, because I want to make sure that somebody prays with you today and prays over you and put their hands on you. They, they don't have to put their hands on you. You can say no. That's fine. But, but they just want to pray over you that you would know the healing of Jesus. And if today's the day that you want to, like, make that choice, I, I just ask that you would just let someone know. Don't keep it to yourself. You can let any of the pastors know, any of our prayer team, any of our elders. Just let them know that today was the day that you decided to take an intentional gamble. So I'm going to pray for us. And then just because it's like, once people start talking, it's easier to kind of slip out. I'm just going to ask you to turn to somebody and say, this healing might be real. <laughs> this healing might be real. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you that your character is good. We thank you that we can take a risk on you. We thank you that as Paul says, 
that we will not be put to shame because your love has been poured into our hearts. So would you bear that out now here in Among Us? Holy Spirit, would you not be silent? Would you not be passive? But would your fire fall and would you move among us? We pray that people would know and experience your healing. Father Luke wrote that in Jesus in this room, the power of healing was with him. And I pray that it would be with us today. So receive now our praise as we give you your due glory. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Turn somebody and say, I think this healing is real. I think this healing is real. And we can start moving. We can start responding.